Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome in to episode 25 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, brother? What's going on? Absolutely nothing. I am just existing right now. Because it's, we've, we've talked about it the last while, where been cold we've been tired and i am feeling it at the end of this week bro i'm just kind of here eyes are open maybe sometimes that there's there's not really much light behind these eyes right no one knows what it's like to be the bad man (laughs) sad man behind blue eyes oh dear i'm just Gonna stare off into the distance here, Fred Durst. Like, what are you doing to me? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm good. I'm not, I'm, I can't complain. Nobody listen, but you know, um, I am doing very well. Honestly, it has yeah. uh, been a good week, regardless of my uh, regardless of my um, being tired and drained because of it. Yeah, we're full fledged into November. Yeah, seasons are changed. It has already cooled off over by me. And yeah, I besides me still not sleeping well and it being cool now, it is uh it's relatively the same for the most part. We're still having some good wrestling though, and we do have um some really good pay-per-views coming up, so I am excited for the rest of November. I agree. Thank you for turning around on a positive note, definitely, because I was about to if you didn't. Um, <laughs> but yes, for sure, we've got full gear coming up very promptly within the next week or so, subsequently by the Survivor Series Hall Games. I was going to, I was going to try it, but I, could, I can't, you can't copy uh, Sir William Lord Regal, so you can't really do it. It's impossible. <laughs> Good thing that we have that living on in gif and or kind of meme form because obviously with yeah. regal being an aw we don't have that now but man we took that for granted just him shouting yeah. war games but it's all right war games again the fact that we'll have full gear and then survivor series will hold us over for now and then we get a little bit of a dry slash cold spell until the new year yeah no december pay-per-view i'm not sad about it i'm kind of okay with it you know we have talked uh you know off screen about the how we just way too many pay-per-views for wwe we do not need this monthly bs coming all the time especially whenever the pay-per-views flop and they're terrible and you know you have to move to smaller venues because of security concerns but really tickets weren't selling so um you know, it, it's one of those things that I'm happy that there's no December pay-per-view. Uh, but, yeah, is it going to be a long time until Royal Rumble? But yeah. I'm excited that the next uh, pay-per-view after uh, Survivor Series War Games is Royal Rumble, because it's my favorite pay-per-view. Yeah, it's always an exciting time. We get starts of the brand new year, WrestleMania season... We'll get potential like returns or excitement about kind of what's going to go on for the next month or so. So, yeah, the American dream, baby. But we'll see kind of how 
we'll get through this month and then we'll see subsequently how that plays out. So should be good. Yeah, hopefully there's uh, definitely the matches that have been um, already thrown out into the ether. Um, look good on paper. We shall see how good they are in uh, execution. Hopefully it's good. All right, and as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at Austin Theory fails his money in the bank cash-in, Soraya Returns has a promo with Britt Baker and a return to the ring, and special announcement coming towards the end of the video, but coming up first. Austin Theory fails his money in the bank cash in. So we saw on this past week's episode of Monday Night Raw, Seth Rollins, in the last section, or the last portion of Monday Night Raw, is in the ring, calls for his open challenge, saying he has made the United States title the title on Monday Night Raw. Mustafa Ali appears on screen to attempt and accept the open challenge, but he's attacked by Bobby Lashley, who says he will be finding his way back to the title instead, accepting the challenge. Lashley is out to the ring, and he attacks Rollins. After Lashley brutalizes Rollins all around the ringside area, Austin Theory heads out with his Money in the Bank briefcase in hand. And what do we see? Theory proceeds to cash in his Money in the Bank contract on the United States champion, Seth Rollins. Okay, towards the end of the match, Austin catches Seth with A-Town down. But Bobby Lashley pulls referee Chad Patton out of the ring. Lashley beats Theory down on the floor, putting him headfirst into the post and throwing him into the barricade. Into the post a second time, and Lashley chokes Austin out with the hurt lock. Bobby leaves. The referee wakes up and starts his count. Theory barely beats the count. Seth is right there. Curb stomp. And Seth Rollins retains the United States Championship. Oh boy, was this lighting up social media this past week, amongst other things. Yeah, um, amongst a few other things, this was this this definitely led the charge for this week's hot takes. Um, and how we uh how we as a wrestling fandom can stand to uh get up get the heck off our keyboards um i thought this was hilarious i was like okay big old bobbers is coming down the you know it started off with that that whole segment of him like i'm coming down there i'm gonna beat the tar out of you and then you know well it started off with mustafa ali obviously doing it and then he just rose didn't have to do Mustafa like that. Literally throws him off off camera. Mustafa comes back in, tries to just go for it, bless the man, but you know, big bobbers just picks him up like a, a rag doll, chucks him over some of the some of the boxes in the background, and then marches down to the dun, 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 uh, his music. I love his music every single time. Um, 
but I, I, I don't, I didn't understand the premise of having Bobby come down and first of all beat the tar out of Seth, only to return to deal with Austin Theory. That was like my major gripe about this because I was like. What? Why? What? What is he doing? Like, is he just gonna completely mess around with the U.S. title, or what is Bobby's sort of deal here? There's quite a bit of number of narrative threads that are going on here. So we have Seth Rollins doing an open challenge. We have the thread of Mustafa Ali fighting for an opportunity, fighting for a match with Seth and or the United States title. We have the Bobby Lashley thread where. He lost his championship after an attack from Brock, so that's how he ended up losing the title to Seth, being goaded in. So we have those two folks, Ali and Bobby, wanting a shot at Seth and or the championship. Then we have Austin Theory, who within the past week or so had a little bit of like a I kind of spat with Seth. I think Seth was like, you know, my cash-in was like the greatest of all time, the set and the third, basically downplaying theory. So we have that little tiny thread that's sort of the newest there, but it's confusing in the sense of we had Bobby come down, quote-unquote, answer the challenge. The bell never rang, but ended up just beating the tar out of Seth. Austin comes down, is hovering... I guess kind of gloating in a sense over Seth randomly decides perfectly when we come back from commercial break, may I add. Now's the time. I know I've held the United States championship before, but I guess I'm so angry and emotion filmed that I want to go after a title. So I'm cashing it in right here on Seth because he's down as the match almost has him. Bobby comes back back out because they've had a little bit of a feud in the past circa around money in the bank originally when theory had the title and bobby took it off of him and then we just see austin theory himself just lose the match and seth retains so a lot of things a lot of threads still up in the air a lot of things kind of confusing agreed with what you said but i'm perplexed yeah, there's. He's. This is this is why it's so kind of frustrating because. This is a holdover, obviously, from the old regime, where it was given to it was given to Austin, uh, by VKM, uh, and Paul doesn't like, have the same amount of uh, amount of stock. In Austin. So it's just one of those things that you're like, we understand, but is this the best possibly of a bad bunch? This this sort of let's have him feel the cash in, uh, because we don't have any plans for um for Roman to ever lose these titles in the next year in this fashion. So, in that way, it's sort of 
it was it was the best of the worst situations for Austin because I don't think even under Vince he was ever gonna lose this or ever gonna win the 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 big the big belts. Um, so I think that maybe the possibility of cashing in on this um, mid mid card belt, the 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 U.S. title, that I think that was probably going to be about the best for him. But then he failed that cash in as well. Agreed. Very very interesting. And this is not the first time that we've had a failed Money in the Bank cash in. We've actually had it four other times. The first of which would be John Cena for the WWE Championship on July 23, 2012 on Raw 1000. This was a single match announced ahead of time. Cena won the match against defending champion CM Punk via disqualification after Big Show interfered but failed to win the title because championships do not change hands via countouts or disqualifications unless stipulated. I love the fact that it was against CM Punk too, who's been in the news recently. I was just like, <laughs> oh, it was so funny. You have the second one here, Damian Sandow for the World Heavyweight Championship, October 28th, 2013 on Raw. Sandow was defeated by defending champion John Cena after an attitude adjustment after Sandow had attacked Cena during a promo. Third one here, Baron Corbin for the WWE Championship August 15, 2017 on SmackDown Live. Corbin was defeated by defending champion Jinder Mahal, remember him? After a roll-up following a distraction by John Cena, who had just defeated Mahal by disqualification due to Corbin's interference. Three in a row, John? Like, what... What could have been with Miz die, you know, love Damian Sandai, obviously, we're ahead of his time, but, you know, what could have been? And then John has to come down, big match Bianca Belair here, just before her time, and then ruins uh, ruins what could have been with Mr. Mr. Baron of the Corbins, the, the greatest wrestler of all time. What is it? He's, he's the modern-day wrestling god uh, nowadays. like. And then Jinder Mahal gets squashed by Braun again, but you know. We'll see. And then the final one here, Braun Strowman. The WWE Universal Championship, September 16, 2018, in Hell in a Cell. This was indeed a Hell in a Cell match with Mick Foley as the special guest referee announced ahead of time. Match ended in a no contest after a run-in by Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Lesnar kicked in the cell door and laid out both Strowman and defending champion Roman Reigns. While Heyman incapacitated Foley with pepper spray, both competitors were deemed unable to continue by another referee. Gotta love those no-contest endings in a Hell in a Cell match where it's a cage where no one can get in, and there has to be a winner, and there's no disqualifications and no countouts, but... Still ends in controversy. Yeah, I seem to remember one ending in a sort of disqualification with a sledgehammer at one point. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, why add these stipulations in if you refuse to let your champions drop their their belts? Like, 
it's almost as if the previous regime never knew what they wanted to do from month to month, from week to week, from day to day, and who was going to hold what and for how long. Because they couldn't remember their own product. But yes, um, there was there not another one? No, was there was the only one. No, there was only four, and all the women have successfully cashed in. So, hmm. Yeah, I have here that the Miz field his cash in, and he's the only one to both succeed and win, succeed a cash in and feel a cash in. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, regardless of the fact that we've seen this isn't the first time that folks have failed a cash in themselves, so not unprecedented, but it's a lower chance that folks fail this. And to your point earlier, we've seen folks win specifically john win a match but not win the title we've seen interference we've seen sort of not clean finishes essentially questionable calls are not clean finishes essentially to end those matchups where the person does not end up winning the championship so the trend continues with the latest here with austin theory with the or mentioned interference by Bobby Lashley. So. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things that, like I said, it was the title is on an individual that does not seem to want to relinquish that title. Well, those titles, they're both on Roman. Um, and that was probably a long-term thing. Because why would you give it to a young up-and-comer, the Money in the Bank briefcase, um, if you weren't planning something somewhere down the line. We have seen cases uh, where the Money in the Bank briefcase has changed hands. See the aforementioned Miz taking it off Otis, for example, because someone fell off the train and did not like Otis anymore, so decided to give it to somebody else. Um, so why are we then having this field cash in on a US title and him not maybe using it on say the aforement the the previously t- hinted at NXT title although Braun Breaker same case as Roman Reigns no plans to take it off him the NXT um uh what's it called the the What's North what American Champion? North American North Championship. American I'll say all American Championship, but North American Championship. We could have seen one on the uh, the Intercontinental uh, Intercontinental title because I would have loved to see Austin get completely chopped into oblivion. Um, or we have this. Um, or we have this United States title. It, it, it was a very weird vibe to have it happen on a raw yeah it's not unprecedented like before mentioned to have it on the weekly television show a lot of the cash-ins ended up happening or successful and or memorable ones happened on a pay-per-view as well Mm -hmm. but i'll agree with your point that it is a holdover from the previous regime but it's potentially indicative that because of the failure per se Maybe the confidence isn't as high 
on Theory, holding a world championship, being sort of the number one guy in the brand to have those main event matches, things of such. So maybe it's a degree of, all right, let's take the briefcase off. You're not quite ready to be the guy. We do see things in you, but let's not, let's pump the brakes and sort of re-pivot. So my thing here is if we don't feel like Austin is ready to be a world champion or even just cash in on a world champion and fail, with him cashing in on the U.S. title, does that sort of devalue the perception of the contract? Because every other one before is basically for a world title. Yeah, um, I, I get, I get where you're going with that. Like, it definitely does seem like the contract was always beforehand a very big deal. We saw people like Edge and Seth cash in huge moments. We've seen other people cash in on huge moments. Um, we've seen people call their shots, like John Cena, who've called actual matches. Um, but they've always been for the top prize on the brand. Because why wouldn't you use it on the top prize in the brand? It's, it's legitimately an easy way to get a title shot when maybe you aren't in the title picture right then and there. So I completely get that. But at the same time, why are we putting this briefcase on someone that we wouldn't put a title on? In my opinion, the briefcase, if you, the briefcase should go to someone you can see a title on and see the big one on. If you wouldn't put the big belt on that person right there and then, do not give them the contract because they're not a threat and they're more of a disappointment or a letdown if they just kind of go to um they go through all of this trouble and they end up failing. So you had John Cena have it. Now John Cena is big match John. Of course you would see him potentially winning. Didn't feel big shock. Um, Damien Mizdai, Sandai at the time, bit of a shock for him to have it, didn't have the fans behind him. So again, kind of lends to my point. It wasn't as big a shock that he failed. Um, and then we have Mr. Bye. Barons Corbins and Mr. Barons Corbins uh, doing his predating of the modern wrestling god with the lone wolf gimmick shtick. Um, seemed like a bit of a shoe in. Like he had the look, he had the sort of the sort of dominant run, was really good. Um and then got jibbed out of it by oh. Mr. Big Match John. Um you know, it's those kinds of situations that you look at and you go, I would put the belt on them. Just let's build to it. That's what I look for whenever I see the money in the bank. So I would say yes, it, it, to, in my opinion, it would devalue that money in the bank contract because why would I care about the money in the bank holder cashing in on a mid-card title that they've already held four months earlier um, and that they were the youngest ever 
uh US title holder anyway. Like that was that was part of their gimmick. Right. It was like the youngest ever United States champion, youngest ever money in the bank, um, you know, Vince's golden boy. So yeah, it would in my opinion at least it does. Agreed. It would make sense. I mean, long term booking. Come on now. What are we supposed to do? Come from the attitude era, brother. Week to week. Make it up as you go. That notwithstanding, the fact that it would make sense that the eventual person who cashes in would hold it, at least the majority of the time. If you're high on them, you'd kind of have to stay high on them through their piece to cash it in. So the concept of maybe I was high on him before enough to give him the title and then got cold feet or was just we booked ourselves into a corner where we were really like this guy. All right, let's he lost at the money in the bank pay-per-view, lost his title, but let's give him a win in getting the briefcase. But then we booked ourselves into a corner where all right, well, we have two world titles on one guy, but we don't want that guy to lose one or both. So what do we do? It's we had to make an ending. I don't know if it's the ending to this storyline that we needed, but hopefully we can repivot. And I'm in definitely agreeance that at least to a degree, it diminishes the value or the perception of the money in the bank contract. But I do feel like Austin wanting to go after the U.S. title does elevate though that title and to a degree the IC title because we've seen in the last couple of months we've had vignettes praising the U.S. championship and the Intercontinental Championship. We've had Bobby just before have a solid run and have face challengers. Now we have it on Seth who is perceived to be a big deal and former world champion, he and Bobby, and Gunther as well on SmackDown with the IC title. Feels important, has been defending semi-regularly, has been having good matches, just being dominant. So in the absence of the world titles, i.e. Roman as well on TV, we've been stepping up with the IC and US titles. I completely agree. And I'm glad that you said that last part about the absence of the titles, because that is the point that I want to argue. I am going to go all in on being the devil's advocate here, because I do believe that the reason and the only reason that we are elevating the US and IC titles is because the World Heavyweight Championship and the Universal Championship are not being defended at all, ever, or are on TV. So what do you do in order to try and elevate your stars? Well, you give them championships. The only championships that are left are the tag team championships, which all of those are on the Usos, uh, which are you know currently in the uh, in the sort of orbit of the guy who's holding the two big belts, Roman Reigns. So you only have the Intercontinental and the U.S. title left. Those, by default, have now become the main belts on their shows. They are the main belts and the main events of the uh, Raw and SmackDown brands, respectively, for the men. The women have their main events and have their their actual titles and are really starting to get some good storylines in there 
and I'm loving the way they're progressing, but that's not where my focus is. I'm just going to be talking about this US and IC title. If you want to elevate the titles, you do not need to diminish the other titles. All right. You do not need to have one star dim for others to shine brighter. They just all have to be elevated. A rising tide raises all ships after all. If you're doing well in the company, then your other titles are going to be, by default, raised up a platform. The US title has been held recently by Bobby Lashers, who I am so high on. I think he's amazing and I love him and I think he's great. And Seth Rollins, who again has, you know, had some bangers with the, the man among men, the nightmare of the Americans, Mr. Codyist of Rhodes with the busted boob pack. So like he is just elevated by being in Cody Cody Nightmare Rhodes aura. You know, that's why the US title is so good right now. So whenever Cody Rhodes comes back and takes that title off him and then becomes the uber triple crown, I don't know, mishmash of all three belts champion, uh, then he's going to take on Gunther and then he's going to have all the belts and then we're going to see how good WWE is going to be. Because Cody Rhodes now holds all of the belts. Literally mentioned Cody Rhodes and went in a tangent and then just went with it. Okay, so just... Leave me alone. I had I had a I had a Cody Rhodes moment, um, but yes, it, it's just one of those things that the only reason these belts are being elevated is because Roman is not on TV. I mentioned before we booked ourselves into a tough spot. We have ideas for Roman at WrestleMania, perhaps or notions of that. See if it can potentially cement. So we don't want him to look weak. So even like losing by disqualification or a countout could chip the armor a little bit, so maybe we don't want to do that. Obviously, we don't want to take a belt, let alone both belts, off before the rumored match of him and Rock, with all due respect, does not need a title. You can just have that be a premier match on Mania. Doesn't even need two, doesn't even need one. But the... I'll agree that in the absence of the prominence of the world championships, both belts, we have elevated the US and IC to now basically be the main ones to go after for the show and sort of have the world titles kind of be on an island unto itself. So I'll agree. So the notion or the booking of having theory go for those makes sense. I guess it's maybe a degree to pivot and kind of take the take the briefcase off it, let it settle for a bit, and possibly kind of maybe do something a little bit different with it. So I don't know. But I'm in agreement. We had to do something. We went with this, and the cards fell where they may. Mm. Yeah. I was not really a big fan of um, the double belts um, beforehand. And seeing this happen has sort of reaffirmed my dislike of the double belts on one on one individual. Um, I didn't like it when Becky did it. I don't like it now that Roman's doing it. Um, the fact that you have a belt for each brand was just one of those things. And I felt like having the money in the bank as one of your uh, big gimmick pay-per-views um just kind of 
elevated the fact that there was potential upset in the works. And uh, unfortunately, the tribal chief, the king of all all tables and the master of all cutlery, I don't know what I'm, you know, what with that one, but, um, you know, he's just not letting go of those belts. So there was no point in the, in the uh, money in the bank this year. Yeah, it's definitely a tough spot. And speaking of the aforementioned gimmick pay-per-views, we have a bit of insight here. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported that there are rumors and WWE is considering several changes to its 2023 pay-per-view schedule, which would include fewer gimmick-named shows. This would also include an annual pay-per-view in the UK in addition to the two annual shows in Saudi Arabia. WWE is considering bringing back King of the Ring, a show which also include Queen's Crown Tournament. King of the Ring was dropped as a pay-per-view concept by Vince McMahon after it drew weak numbers in 2002. With guaranteed money from Peacock and pay-per-view buys, buys not meaning as much as they used to for WWE, it's in play again. This comes after news that WWE has reportedly dropped their day one pay-per-view, which was set for January 1st. With the Money in the Bank having its own pay-per-view namesake, as well as having the match itself on there the past number of years, remembering that the roughly the first four or five Money in the Bank matches were at WrestleMania originally, I'm okay with pivoting away from gimmick-named pay-per-views. You and I have had a discussion offline and a little bit on the show as well about notions of Extreme Rules, Hell in a Cell, TLC, those sort of earmarked named pay-per-views being changed away because those are essentially just gimmick matches being on there. So things like, which would make sense in a storyline, okay, we have a Street Fighter or an Extreme Rules match, or we're going to culminate a feud in a Hell in a Cell match at, at a show. Or things like that, or we just want to have a, a TLC match because we are getting sort of weapons involved. So I'm okay with pivoting away and maybe just having, again, the Money in the Bank la- ladder match itself different or away from a namesake pay-per-view. Yeah, 100%. I hate the gimmick pay-per-views. They make no sense now. Like, bring back Armageddon, bring back No Way Out, you know, do whatever you need to do to bring back those naming conventions. TLC, as far as I remember, was brought about because of the feud between the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardy Boys. Like, that's the whole reason for that gimmick pay-per-view. The whole reason for the Elimination Chamber is because Vince didn't like the concept of the war games, the double ring, so they made their own. Funny that, Vince. We're bringing back the war games, baby. Mm. And then it's just one of those things that you see Vince never liked the concept of the Royal Rumble. And when it was pitched by Pat Patterson to the head execs, they loved it. So it's just, you know, how can you uh, hit one gimmick match that is literally the pinnacle of your company? Uh, second only maybe to WrestleMania, let's say. Um, and then, you know, you, you profess all these absolutely ridiculously terrible ones. 
that are for, forced shoehorned uh, into into feuds. Like you said, like if it fit the if it fit the feud, then it would make sense. But it doesn't, so we're going to have to go with me and you in a hell in the cell because it's X month. You know, it's, like, it's October or something like that, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear, we're coming up to we're coming up to uh, November, boys and girls. We cannot have a singles feud. We have to get everybody involved and go for Survivor Series and have brand supremacy. But wait, two weeks before we do that, we're going to have the draft. Like you know, there's there's so many silly things, which is which is rich for why uh, Vince got rid of the King of the Ring pay per view because he did so many ridiculously bad things to tank his numbers for all the other pay per views. I'm surprised he didn't scrap those too. Yeah, it's interesting to note that that was the pivot point because it basically drew bad pay-per-view sales, so they went away with it being its own standalone show. I get it in a business sense, as mentioned in the article as well. We're in a different business model now, streaming services, pay-per-view buys per se via cable companies and or satellite companies aren't the draw that they once were. So, and again, the guaranteed money from their network deals, Peacock, as well as the Saudi Arabia piece, it's different. So I get now where we can change or we can entertain different notions. And speaking of which, if we are kind of going away from gimmicked pay-per-views, where then, if we still want to have the money in the bank, where would that sit? So we have a note here from WrestleVotes. WrestleVotes has noted that talk of bringing back Money in the Bank to WrestleMania is considered to be alive within WWE right now. Quote, putting Money in the Bank on WrestleMania one night women's and one night men's is something I've heard. I've since, I know since Hunter has taken over, the idea of one night women and one night men is alive. However, WrestleVotes is also explained that they don't see that happening, considering how WWE wants to have Money in the Bank as one of the big yearly shows, potentially holding it in a stadium. Quote, I don't think they're going to do that. Let's say Money in the Bank was scheduled for Allegiant Stadium. They're hoping to get 50,000 people. If they can do that on the back of Money in the Bank, I don't think that, I don't think you put that show in on excuse me i don't think you put that show in the garbage and put that match on wrestlemania end quote okay so i get where they're coming from with the second point however you're hardly putting the premise of the money in the bank in the garbage if you're putting it on the most prestigious show of the year that's not two nights are you i i understand what they're thinking by getting rid of possible seals for a pay-per-view like money in the bank but you're you you have literally just tanked the money in the bank value this year it is worthless right now you have two belts on roman and until they are gone money in the bank as a pay-per-view does not work it literally doesn't work because you only have one of those contracts being of any use and the last time it was used was Liv on Ronda Rousey and then she lost it two months later and she was not really sold very well because there was a couple of questionable calls let's say on her reign 
the fact that we're putting it on to mania let's say for example we put it on to mania right and you have the uh opening match and then you have like the second or third match be this women's money in the bank ladder match you immediately have use for a lot more talent that you have maybe overlooked or maybe had no feuds going on or no stories and they all get a wrestlemania moment in front of a huge crowd have a big match because you're not being eliminated like you would be in a women's royal rumble like they would probably like they would do they would just have a women's royal rumble for absolutely no ridiculous reason be the best in the world at that um but you get to have actual spots and time in front of a crowd. And it's the same with the guys the next day. Like they would have their time and you would see people like Mad Cat Moss and Rick Boogs who comes back healthy. You know, you they would rub elbows with people like Shinsuke Nakamura, the modern day wrestling god, um, and you know, other people like that there. You put you you put a mix of people who aren't in feud slash up and comers on the WrestleMania stage and they sink or swim and then they get this opportunity at the end and there's the real possibility that they shock at WrestleMania. And imagine if they pull that trigger. That's so amazing for the person who gets to do that to have not one, but two amazing WrestleMania moments, which would sell seats. It would sell seats. But if you just go oh, we're putting this pay-per-view on Money in the Bank. Who's holding the, who's holding the women's titles? Oh, um, Bianca Belair and Ronda Rousey? Yeah. Nobody's going to cash in on them, and if they do, they'll probably lose. Who's holding the men's? Roman Reigns? Yeah, nah. Nah, there's no point in watching that. Because why do I care? Like, the Money in the Bank briefcase is worthless, and it's in the bin right now. So don't give it to, don't give it its own pay per view, please. I'm in agreement that at least the perception in the right now is that Austin Theory cashing it on the U.S. title has put into question its significance of the Money in the Bank contract. I recall the notion of maybe it could be a Nick a Nick Khan thing where they wanted to run more stadiums in terms of their pay-per-view shows. So things like we've seen recently Royal Rumble be in huge stadiums, obviously WrestleMania, this past SummerSlam is in a stadium. The original booking for this past Money in the Bank was a Legion Stadium, a huge stadium, but they moved it to the MGM Grand. Still in Las Vegas, but it was changed. Again, it just, for whatever reason, speculation may run rampant, but it did not was it did not end up being in that huge stadium. Now, the notion of the way it used to be was you'd schedule a show, you would you would have feuds, you would have the announcement of this is the match on the pay-per-view that you're going to buy the pay-per-view to watch it live, you're going to buy tickets to go see that match. WWE and Two, and we've also noted AEW waits till the last minute to announce a number of matches on their pay-per-view shows. So you have the notion of there is a pay-per-view at a venue. 
maybe there's a, a match or two, maybe three if we're lucky, that is maybe announced. Okay, so that's what we have to go off of if we want to buy the pay-per-view, tune in on a streaming service, or buy a ticket. Now, excuse me. Now, if you just don't have a strong show to present um, more than a day or more than a handful of days ahead of time, how are you going to get people in the door to get to those pay-per-views? How are you going to get people to tune in? You can't just go off of the, the strength of we're the WWE, damn it. People will just buy it and watch regardless. You have to have something to hook them in. You have to have a compelling story, a compelling match, something people want to see for people to show up and or people to watch. And to that point, people will buy Royal Rumble tickets on Royal Rumble pay-per-views on WrestleMania tickets on WrestleMania pay-per-views based off the fact that they are Rumble and Mania. No one is buying a ticket just because it's money in the bank. And that everybody wants to sit and say, oh, these are the big four pay-per-views per year. It's like, no, no, no. There are two. And it's Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. Those are the only two people are blind buying tickets to because no one cares whatever else is going on. You need to build feuds to go to the wrestling. If you put money in the bank on to WrestleMania, you're guaranteed people watching. You're guaranteed having shock value. 100%. I would put the Royal Rumble agreements, Royal Rumble and Mania as those shows because people know they're going to have a, a Rumble match. They're going to see a winner of a Rumble because it's exciting. It's a spectacle. The nature of the Rumble is fun and people get into it. And of the aforementioned WrestleMania, people will buy tickets to those two shows based on expectations we've had in the past. The other 10 months out of the year where we have shows, maybe it's the UK show that folks, again, because we don't have huge shows outside of North America very often. So we saw Clash at the Castle do very well. Outside of the two Saudi Arabia, the contracted Saudi Arabia shows that again sell well for the folks there, you have roughly six or so, maybe seven other shows that you have to put on compelling matches. You have to have storylines. You have to give me a reason to watch and or go. We have a lot of work to make up, boys. Yep. Definitely. Can't agree more. And we have to make sure if you're still going with the money in the bank contract and the money in the bank match, we're going to have it as a separate, separate pay-per-view and continue to do so. You have to get me and keep me invested to make me want to watch and to make me want to go. Yep. 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 100%. So, those are our thoughts on Austin Theory cashing in and failing his Money in the Bank contract on Seth. When we think about the value of the contract, I see in US titles, and potentially maybe having the match switch to Mania. So, let us know what you think down in the comment section below on YouTube and or on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what you think. Did you agree or disagree? Help us out. Tell us what your thoughts are. All right, as we switch gears to the Soraya and Britt Baker promo on this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite. This was announced ahead of time, so we go to the segment here. Tony Schiavone 
introduces Britt Baker DMD and Soraya for an in-ring interview. Soraya wanted to speak to Britt Baker face-to-face, and she knows everybody's wondering if she's cleared or not. And a couple of weeks ago, they took x-rays and CT scans, and unfortunately, for Britt, she's 100% cleared. AEW is her house. Baker asks if there's anything more fickle than an AEW fan. She asks if Soraya even still knows how to do this. She's been coming after her since the day she got here. And why? Soraya thinks she's got it. Britt Baker built AEW from the ground up until it becomes a fortress that wrestlers know. Superstars like Soraya wanted to move in. She's damn proud of that. But that pride turns into resentment very quickly when she has the audacity to skip in here and say that this is her house because she didn't want, she didn't lay a single brick. But Brit gets it. Soraya's obsessed with her because she's everything Soraya wishes she could have been. And if she thinks that's not true, she left her house and walked into Brits. Baker says they don't take walk-ins, so make an appointment. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I could love Britt Baker anymore, uh, I would, because this promo in response to, uh, in response to Soraya's promo was absolute fire. I... I, I, I don't, I, hmm. I know a few weeks ago, I, uh, I, I did have a quick hit where I professed my love for the pop for Soraya. That was not in any way, shape or form, my love for Soraya. That was my love for the fans who never forget, who, ne- who love these individuals who come back and who risk themselves and give their bodies and never forget about these people who uh, deserve our applause. Um, and, you know, have their fans and all this here. Whether or not we like them, we hate them, whoever, we never forget them, and it was great to uh, to see that response. This promo from both these ladies was the best of the night, and Brit's, uh, Brit's first comment, is there anything more fickle than an AEW fan? really got me because I legitimately just remember everything on the internet that is WWE's better than this. AW's better here. You know, AW does all this here. WWE does all this here. It's like, ah, boys and girls, can you just not just love wrestling? And it's like, yeah, uh, every five seconds, people are rooting for someone new and it seems like Soraya is now the new hotness, as it were. Um, the sort of flavor of the month, if you will, if you will, yes. Coming out hot, we we have the announcement of Soraya saying she's cleared, which is fantastic. Again, for her herself, she's been on that journey, man. It's been a tough road. She's been injured, and the fact that excuse me, 
she comes from a wrestling family and she's done it and this is what she's been and to have that sort of in reaction and have an injury take that away is devastating when you've been doing something that you enjoy and that you worked so hard at and you can't able to do that anymore it's tough and it works it wanes on you mentally for sure but i'm in agreement that Brit just coming out and the best promos are when you have a degree of truth in them and those barbs kind of sting the most we have the shot at the aw fans for being fickle you mentioned it before sort of liking the sort of flavor of the month or the new toy in the toy box whatever sort of idiom that you'd like to go for you have the fact that Britt baker was if i'm not mistaken is the first woman to be signed to aw so they put a lot of stock into Britt. she had some matches early on as a baby face she really sort of took off a little bit more when she turned heel and has been heel ever since so I'll give Brit credit. She's been the one that's been featured most prominently of all the women that have been in AEW so far and has sort of been that piece I've mentioned in a previous show that it's has that little bit of a Charlotte element to her where she's just the one that's been, again, most prominent. But yeah, if it wasn't for, like her or not, the facts of the Brits and some other ladies as well, some of the Joshi wrestlers, some of the other ladies too, that gave an opportunity to AEW in terms of women wrestling, then we wouldn't have folks wanting to come. We've seen the influx of Soraya's, the Athena's, the Tony Storms, just to name a couple that, you know what, were other places and saw, all right, this may be actually a viable opportunity. Let me go there to see. I want to change and I want to wrestle and I want to be there. So kudos to Brit, at least for just saying it and, you know, coming out and being a decent shot at Soraya there. She said what we're all thinking. Like she kind of echoed uh, an MJF promo where he ended off saying not so nice things to, uh, to TK, where, you know, he helped build the company. Here, Britt Baker helped build this company to a place where these established stars from the other place uh, wanted to be, want to come, and you know, it almost it it you can feel the resentment and the pride in AEW that Britt has, but the resentment that these people are coming in and taking advantage of her hard work, the years where she has had to spend. Uh, attempting to uh, elevate this uh, women's division when she hasn't had a lot of help in doing so. There have been a lot of uh, people who have come in and left the company, uh, people who have had fallings out with people in management, people who have had not so good runs because of other people who have been in the company. Um, You know, all this all this sort of spiraling messiness around having all these women feeding them to one person and then not really doing anything with that one person. And then the, you know, it, it just, you can really understand where Brit is coming from to have these other individuals coming in and just 
thinking that because they were established somewhere else, now they're immediately a superstar here. They're a, they're a pro wrestler. Uh, it's like, you know, nah, nah. This ain't your house. This is you trying to open the front door. You've just rung the doorbell, my love, and you're not really going to get in unless you can step past the bouncer. And in this case, the bouncer is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and she's going to knock your teeth out then put them back in. All in agreeance, fair points from Britt. So I'm um, for it. But we see here Soraya's retort. Soraya says Britt's only been in the business three years. She doesn't know what it takes to be a superstar. Soraya traveled up and down the UK and all over Europe for free because she loves this business. She got hit by a car and wrestled the same day. Soraya handed out resumes to promoters and got turned down for being a woman. And Brit has no idea what it takes to make it. She's been making revolutions since before wrestling was even a twinkle in Baker's eye. She's done MSG, VO2, and the Tokyo Dome. Redacted, supposed to be the sumo hall. <laughs> and now she's in front of an ungrateful Brit. Brit doesn't know what it takes. Soraya's been humiliated in front of millions of people and had her addictions exposed. She's given her career and her neck for this business. And Baker doesn't have a clue. But here's another opportunity handed to her on a silver platter. This is her comeback story and the biggest match of Brit's career. At full gear, Brit goes to attack Soraya when she leaves, but she ducks and catches her with that capture DDT, formerly known as the Rampage. Okay, so this is where I started writing a promo for, for Brit in my head as we were going along, and then I realized it was a BBFS promo. And that's whenever everything in here got murky. What does it matter that she's been in this business three years? What does it matter? You cannot compare your struggle to someone else's struggle. Britt put her th herself through, through school to become a dentist. At the same time, she's pursuing this career. She works hard. Just because, yes, she has had some stuff put on her back and she has succeeded doesn't mean that she is weak or that she is not worthy of what she's done. How dare you come in here and say she is unworthy? Like I said earlier on, you do not make, need to make someone's, someone else's star dim for yours to shine brighter. Do not compare yourself to someone else, nor let anyone compare you to them. Because what is the point? Like, just because you got hit by a car and wrestled the same day is not brave? That's dumb. Go to the hospital. Like, what is wrong with you? I do not understand anyone who thinks I have to show how tough I am. Cool. We are not in the 2010s, the 2000s. Women are legitimately being given these opportunities. You've been in this business 30 years professionally for 17. Congratulations. It is easier now because thanks to you. Yes, but I do not have to bow down and kiss your feet just for these opportunities. Because I too have worked hard and trained and become this professional wrestler in my own right. Not because of you, but now more so importantly in spite of you.
And then I love the fact that she said none of this and just went for it. And she just kept the heel mentality and punched her in the back of the head and then got into this DDT, uh, into this capture DDT. Like, to me, PT, I legitimately was losing my mind. Like, why Brit isn't going off? Like, just pop off, Queen. Please just let her have everything you've got. And it was so upsetting that I was just like, why are you listening to this absolute nonsense? And then I realized I was like, why am I rooting for a baby face Brit Baker? <laughs> I'll agree with you in the sense that it's it's tough and it's kind of wrong to compare struggles, right? We all go through, I'll agree with you that we all go through different things in our lives and our paths and our journeys are very, very different. We may share a similar struggle. We may share different struggles, but it kind of, it's sort of wrong and not fair to kind of compare struggles. But be that as it may, I was kind of confused about the nature of this promo. The opening was fine. Saray is cleared. That's fantastic. Again, I'm super happy for her. The Britt Baker portion, I was like, all right, well, okay, you're in the character, kind of bringing up some fair points or some criticisms that people have mentioned. Okay, I'm a with it. But I feel like when it got to the Saraya portion, I was definitely confused. Because to me, it sounded like... I guess they're supposed to have Soraya as the baby face in this, but it was definitely sort of a heel notion or sort of a heel promo, maybe by accident. Because you have her mentioning that, you know, she got hit by a car and I'm tough and I, I ended up going for the match itself and I went up and down Europe for free because I love this business and I and I struggled and, you know, I... I've been to places, the, the MSG and the O2 and Sumo Hall and things like that. And I broke my neck for this business. And I'm like, I get that you're trying to show that you've been here in the business. You've worked type of thing. But it sounded a little like she was kind of complaining or almost like a little bit bitter. Like, it was weird. Like, I, maybe it's the wrong verbiage. Maybe it's the wrong turn on the presentation. But it just felt super, super weird. It didn't feel like a baby vase versus a heel. It almost felt like a heel versus a, a tweener, in a sense. I don't know. It just felt, it felt off to me. Yeah, yeah. No, 100% I agree. I don't feel like the passion that Soraya was showing in her uh, in her promo came across as babyface centric, uh, sort of working from the side of uh, the fan favorite, if you will. Um, the Brit, the Brit portion really hammered home that she was playing up to being this hail and that she did really well because she was like. Fickle fans, this is in your house, this is my house, just you know, blah 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 blah. Um, so she did everything she was meant to do, and then in came this second punch from Soraya, where she kind of said things that to your point that did not fail baby face. Um like I do I don't understand where they wanted where she wanted to go with this because her coming in. I'm going to assume 
that uh, she has been given uh, some uh, amount of creative control over what she says and what she does within the company. A uh, person of her uh, repute would probably get a sizable contract signing and uh, a lot of concessions to their contract. So her being able to say what she wants maybe came across from years of her bitterness, um, years of fans not understanding, um, and years of her wanting to be back in the ring and WWE never clearing her, possibly erring on the side of caution, possibly just not wanting to ever deal with her again. Um, so maybe it was pent-up frustration that spilled over into this into this uh into this promo. And if that's the case, then I'm glad that she got it all out, but she has really sort of muddied everything. In agreeance. And for those that are listening, we're not we're not anti Soraya. This is not a smear campaign or anything. We are very, very happy that she's coming back, that she's healthy, that she can continue to live her life. She can wrestle again. I think what we're sort of drilling down into is the the spin or the presentation or the verbiage in her retort or in her promo itself. It just really was felt a little confusing or maybe, again, didn't come off as sort of like a baby face if that's the way she's being portrayed. But I'm in agreement again with you. Maybe it's a little bit of rust coming off not being on the, the television or not being able to kind of have those face-to-face on-the-spot promos piece. I feel like it's definitely not something that's scripted. Maybe it's like a bullet point thing. All right, remember to mention the pay-per-view. Remember to mention these couple things. And all right, just get us to where we need to kind of get. Maybe to that last spot, basically. But yeah, I, I'm in agreement that when it comes down to it, I'll reiterate, it definitely sounded... There was maybe some frustrations. Let me let it out. Cool. All right. On to the match. Kind of sell it. So yeah, it was just, again, for me, I'll just say that it was a little bit of a confusing perception. The the whole promo itself. Like who's who is meant to be the baby face? Who is meant oh, to yeah. be the heel? Are they both tweeners or are, are they, did they do a double turn or something? I'm <laughs> just just listening to it. This is just my reading of it, but that's what kind of I I felt and kind of the vibe that I got from it. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Like to, obviously, to your point, like neither of us are are trying to smear the person of Soraya. Like you know, this is literally just this promo. It's why we're it's why we've got that that heading below our giant floating heads. The the Brit the Soraya Brit Baker promo is like this is why it's something that we want to talk about because it's interesting and we have this preconceived notion of what's supposed to be and we have even had shows before where we have talked about the women's division uh, in AEW. I, for one, am perfectly uh, excited to see uh, Soraya in this match with Britt Baker, who I hold uh, a high regard for, as well as the other matches on this card. But this the promo, the setup for this is infinitely better, if not a little murky uh, and confusing. And that is what we, we like to have a conversation about because um, that's the nature of this thing. Plus, we like to talk. 100%.
So with that, out of the promo itself, we see the match set for full gear. Soraya versus Britt Baker. This will be Soraya's first match since, if I'm not mistaken, her short comeback in 2017. But it's been quite a while for Soraya to be in the ring. So kudos to her. I love you'd love to see it. Somebody being able to to circumvent their challenges and come back and especially an injury in wrestling to come back and be able to compete. So that's fantastic. So I'm definitely in agreement. My concern about this match, Joker, is Soraya's coming back from an injury. Yep. And there's an old sort of adage in your first match or early matches when you come back from an injury. Is Soraya going to sell the neck? More so, are we going to see a super carny booking? where the first bump she takes, she's going to sell that neck to no end. Yes. Short answer. Yes, 100%. Uh, I think that being in the business for 30 years, 17 years professionally, she is carny enough to want to go ahead and walk down that ring and immediately sell that neck if she sprains her ankle. Um, Before she even gets into that ring, we have seen individuals return from these neck injuries before uh, through spinal fusion surgeries, such as uh, Brian Danielson and Edge. Uh, there have been other such individuals, but those are the two notable ones for the point I'm about to make. They both sold the neck and both sell it. None better than the master of his craft, Brian Danielson, who every time he touches his neck, we believe him still to this day. There was a time over the summer where he took a pretty gnarly bump and he was gone for a couple of months because TK was just making sure, air quotes. Like, that man is amazing at selling it and making us believe. Is Soraya going to do that? I 100% think yes she is my retort to that is do you think she's going to be good enough at it to make us believe it it's a fair point i am in agreement that most likely the first bump and or shot around her sort of chest slash head anywhere in that region there's going to be a big sell job so i'm with you on that i feel like that's going to happen oh yeah to make it believable enough that Kind of that, oh my god, like, is she okay type of thing? Is she back to 100%? Can she still go in the ring type of thing? Let's leads to be seen. It's been a while since I've watched a Soraya slash Paige match, so I don't know. I feel like it's going to be one of those moments when it does happen. There might be a little bit of a, a kind of gasp. You'll have the referee check on her. They'll kind of do the thing where they, they, the referee backs off Brit from Soraya and kind of have that moment and maybe she'll be the you know what will take 10 15 seconds she'll look up at the ref and be like oh no, no I'm okay type of thing and continue the match so we'll have that sort of kind of key point in the match and then on to the next so I don't feel like it'll be like a huge spot but it will definitely be a moment or spot in the match hmm 
I, I definitely just need to see this match for that singular spot that we're on about. Like, I, I the match could last five seconds or five minutes or fifteen minutes, however long they get. I really don't care. But the main thing I'm going to be paying attention to is how quickly does how quickly do we see the selling of the neck, and how good is the selling slash. I just hope that these two are safe. In agreeance. I think regardless of how the match goes, win, lose, or draw, it's going to be a, a really feel-good moment for Soraya to come back and just have a match. And then proceeding to, I don't think she's going to be wrestling crazy often, like every week or every two weeks, but I think it'll be something that you'll kind of filter in and have those every once in a while matches. But it'll be good. And that's the story of the match, regardless of what happens. Britt, for the most part, is a relatively safe worker. We haven't heard or seen, really, uh, injuries come out of matches with her. So I feel like it's an okay thing. I've said my piece. I felt like this Britt Baker and Soraya piece is a little bit shoehorned in We've getting a little bit of justification from Brit's side, especially in this promo, saying, you know, continue the new toy of the month, the new flavor of the week type of thing. But I was, like I've said in previous shows, I was more invested in that dynamic between Jamie Hayter and Brit that it came out of All Out, notwithstanding. That has since cooled off, and that's sort of a non-issue. But, again, this is more for Soraya. Oh, yeah, well... It's it's definitely more for the fact that now, having been in the company, she has been cleared, which leads us to the other question of why TK even brought her in the first place without her being cleared first. But that's not for us to answer today. Don't worry, we're not going to go into that. Um, but it is definitely a question that sort of I and others have asked. Why bring in this very expensive commodity in Soraya if she wasn't already cleared in the first place? And because of this promo, because of this layup, because of this match upcoming, it is possibly going to be one of the most hotly anticipated matches because we all want to make sure and see that Soraya is going to come out of this match still able to uh, live her life. Um, now, that might be a tad overdramatic for some people, but this is a woman who has come into a company and only now is fully cleared. So do we have reason to worry? Yes. Is there the possibility of her selling the absolute chib out of this? Yes. Um, am I still going to worry this and cross my fingers everything's okay? Yes. I 100% agree with your points. At the end of the day, this is Soraya's moment, and Britt Baker is doing a phenomenal job and taking nothing away from Britt, but this is kind of Soraya's story to tell at this upcoming pay-per-view. Yep. So those were our thoughts on the Soraya-Britt Baker promo setting up the match at full gear. If you also enjoyed this promo or you disagreed and did not like it, let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. 
or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know what you thought about this particular promo in question. Yeah, tell us why you don't like fun. All right, coming up to the next piece here, the aforementioned announcement we have. So with AEW Full Gear coming up in roughly a week's time, we are announcing here that we will be doing another live stream, and this will be for the AEW Full Gear predictions, and we'll be throwing in a few WWE 2K22 simulations of the matches in there itself. So for those interested, this will be happening on Thursday, November 17, a couple days before the pay-per-view. This will be happening at roughly 10 p.m. UK time, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. So once again, Thursday, November 17, 10 p.m. UK, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope to see you there and hopefully you stop by and we can discuss some of the predictions we have, watch a couple Sims, and we'll just have fun talking about the upcoming AEW pay-per-view. And hopefully we will have 95% of the matches already told to us by TK himself and not have to wait for the remaining 9 or 10 matches for the next day's Friday Night Rampage. We'll have probably 5 or 6 announced on Rampage. The only clear-cut way to do this would for us to do a prediction slash sim slash live stream or show literally 20 minutes before the stream <laughs> literally following rampage which happens at 10 p.m on the east coast of the states which would be super late 2 or 3 a.m for joker in the uk it's just really not feasible no, with all due respect we would legitimately have to have that live stream four hours before the actual pay-per-view because or maybe even 30 minutes we would have to be doing it while the pay-per-view is going on just so we could get all the matches because tk is that weird about not giving us any of the matches up until the 11th hour like by the way just announced and we're already half an hour into the pay-per-view this match between blah 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 and blah 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 You're like blah, blah, blah. We say it in jest, but we've noticed with the past pay-per-view of All Out, we noticed it with Forbidden Door, and we noticed it with Double or Nothing, that AEW is guilty of announcing a number of matches the night before, sort of last minute, for the pay-per-view. So again, we say it in jest, but it's kind of becoming a running gag, but notwithstanding we're aiming to do this on the Thursday right before, so we'll have Dynamite in the bag. We'll have then the upcoming Rampage and then the pay-per-view, so we're trying to get sort of as close as we can with it being reasonable, so we're aiming again for Thursday, November 17, which is two days before the pay-per-view, here on the YouTube channel, 10 p.m. UK time, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. All right, we hope to see you then. Appreciate folks if you're interested. No. Definitely join in. It's going to be fun. We did one for Extreme Rules for the WWE. We've since worked out a bit of the technical difficulties, so I'm very optimistic that it'll run a lot smoother. We hope to see you then.
<laughs> there's only one way to find out pt and that's tune in to see if we spend another hour just working on why we can't get people to walk down an entrance ramp love it 2k is a beautiful game baby no bugs all right, and this is the point where normally we would do a quick hit section where we would highlight little pieces throughout the week that we had that we really enjoyed or pop the boys. But for integrity purposes, Joker and I discussed a little bit and we had a couple things that we maybe considered, myself being the MGF promo on Dynamite and the immediate follow up of the Stokely Hathaway piece. But honestly, I didn't feel like I wanted to fake it. I enjoyed it, but it didn't really sort of pop the boys or really didn't have a ton of, I want to talk about this. We've, in terms of the MJF promo, it was, it was a solid promo, but we've heard better promos. So for me, I didn't want to do one just to do one. I didn't want it to sort of come off as disingenuine. If I'm going to mention a segment, it's because I really enjoyed it or I wanted to share it. But I didn't have anything that I wanted to highlight here. Joker, what about yourself? Yeah, and I'm the same. I did have one, obviously, through the start of the week that popped me a little bit, but I was like, sort of, uh, I sort of watched it and was like, you know, went back and watched it again. It was like, it only popped me for the shock value, and it was the uh, sort of promo between Asuka and Eo Sky and like, like yourself. Like, I, I, I didn't want to fake it. I didn't want to give anyone that, you know, that false sense of like, I really enjoyed this thing. When I really didn't, um, I liked it. It was fine. It was, you know, it was, it was kind of whatever. Um, but you know, it was one of those things that, yeah, we had to discuss and we have said that this segment is more so for us or whenever we actually super enjoyed something. So you know that everything before and everything after, whenever we do have quick hits, we're really trying our best not to force these things. These are things that are genuinely making us giggle laugh have our interest um and like pt says popping the boys yeah we've mentioned it in the past as well that we try to be open and honest and really just genuine about the things we are discussing as well as when it comes to quick hits just stuff that we really like that we wanted to share so there are times when we have some quick hits and there's just times that we enjoyed some segments but didn't necessarily enough to sort of highlight them or or kind of Put the focus on them. So, with that being said, we liked this week in wrestling was a very very strong week. So mm-hmm. we had a lot of segments that we had mentioned, as well as the two that we highlighted here in these segments. But if you enjoyed some things from this week in wrestling, let us know down in the comment section below, or hit us up on YouTube or Instagram and just let us know what you enjoyed about this week in wrestling. And if you want our recommendation for anything that maybe we enjoyed in previous weeks of wrestling, do feel free to check out our previous quick hits, especially the one where Jeff Cobb and Jonas slapped me. That one is a blinder. I loved it. PT loved it. There are others there. Just check them out. We definitely have some hidden gems that we really enjoyed. And feel free. We have a wonderful playlist on the YouTube channel where if you feel so inclined, check out one. You can check out a couple. but. Definitely, if you'd like to, we know that you'd enjoy it like we'd enjoy it. All right, so that about wraps it up for us, Joker. How was that for you? Because it was definitely a fun one for me, brother. 
It's definitely an interesting one for sure. We uh we definitely run the gamut of uh of uh, emotions in this one talking about the uh weird quirkiness of WWE's uh, money the bank system to the severity of a neck injury uh, at a possible neck injury yet again at full gear. So we 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 ran it. It was good. It was interesting. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those where occasionally we'll cover a heavy topic, but we try to do it with some poise, with some civility, especially the notion of Soraya coming back from an injury. Again, we just specifically focused on the context of the promo, nothing to do about either one of these women. We appreciate the athletes that they are and the people that themselves, and it's more so, again, just focusing on what they had to offer on the television show. So we try to be lighthearted, try to be respectful. I know that may not be the ultimate sort of cash grab or kind of be the most popular opinion not to be dis- divisive, but this is this is kind of just how we see things and this is just sort of how the fans that myself and Joker are. And this is what, again, we wanted to highlight and talk about this week, and that's what we did. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we could easily sit here and, um, you know, sort of be uh, shock jocks if we wanted to be. Uh, but there's plenty of those out there. I don't think we need to add to the, the steaming pile that is um, naming no names. So, you know... We're just we're just out here offering our voices to the ether. If you pick up, you listen, you enjoy. I'm I'm so happy that you do. If not, then uh, move along, friendo. Agreed. The internet wrestling community is a large one. We are a very small island in the microcosm here, and we have our voice being broadcast. And much like a radio station, if you pick up the broadcast and you continue to listen, we very very much appreciate. Anything that you throw our way, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so for TF Joker. Uh, This is my house. It is indeed, and for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time. Let us be a part of your day, and remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.